Hey everyone, welcome to one more episode of the Requirements Engineering Podcast. Today, we bring you a true expert. Her name is Barbara Karknor to talk about everything of managing requirements in an agile environment. For those of you who don't know Barbara, she currently provides project management and business analysis consulting and training, helping companies improve their delivery of business value. Barbara is extremely passionate about enabling people and organizations to succeed through better communication, collaboration, and critical thinking. She has written books, articles, blogs, and training material aimed to help professionals enhance these skills that we're going to talk about. And last but not least, Barbara has helped define the analysis profession by volunteering with the IIBA organization for 19 years. This is an incredible episode because we really deep dive into many topics. The first one is the challenges that Barbara sees in organizations um, on how they handle projects and the requirements. The second topic is on how to implement a requirements engineering process if you don't have one or how to refine one if you do have one. The third one is how to implement an agile methodology within a requirements engineering process. And finally, we touch on how to evaluate a great requirements management tool, the characteristics and features that you should be looking for when evaluating one. This is an incredible episode with really practical step-by-step knowledge that Barbara shares and really useful, especially if you're currently looking to implement a requirements engineering process or if you currently handle your requirements with Microsoft Office and Excel or even using tools such as Miro, for example. So I really hope that you enjoyed this conversation. Please let us know what you think in the comments of this video. Subscribe to this podcast and also subscribe to our member portal at visualsolutions.com slash register to see more content like this one. So I really hope that you enjoy and learn in this episode as much as I did. Hey, Barbara, how are you? Thanks for coming to the Requirements Engineering Podcast. Really excited to have you here. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, Marcel. I'm glad to have you. Glad to be here. Thank you. Awesome. So we're also here with with Jeff, um, and pretty much uh, before we we Uh-oh. like get Marcella, started into wow. the conversation. Yeah, it might yeah, it might so- be lagging a little bit, but I'm s- yeah. I'm sorry, Marcelo. You you cut out a little bit. So yeah, you cut out, Marcel. All right. So are you hearing me now? Can you hear me now? Yes. Yes. All right. So um, before we jump in into the conversation, can you give us like a quick background of pretty much what you do, just so like the audience is really familiarized, if you could probably share some numbers and guide us like how you got introduced to the pretty much requirements, uh, engineering world, business analyst world. Sure, sure. Thank you. I started my career uh, as a mainframe uh, software developer uh, working for General Motors, uh, working on manufacturing systems and um, assembly plant systems. Um, and, you know, over the course of my career, which has been pretty long at this point, I have um, done a lot of system design and then moved more into analysis, um, but always focused on requirements. So I, I've really been doing requirements pretty much my whole career. I've spent a bit of time doing project management, and a lot of project managers do requirements too, so I never really got away from that part of the work. Uh, And then um, have really focused uh, for the last, I'd say, 20 years on specifically business analysis and requirements analysis, um, 
in a lot of uh, financial services companies, um, some hospitality companies, some healthcare companies. Um, you know, and what I learned uh, is that a lot of those organizations and those industries have a lot of the same challenges around requirements. Requirements are a very complex uh, thing to actually get your hands around and understand. Um, so I, I think there's so much opportunity for us to do better uh, with requirements and people are constantly trying to find better ways to, to capture them and, and document them. Yep, yep, totally. Um, can you expand a little bit about this kind of challenges that you constantly see within companies? Um, what, what, yeah, what, what are like the, the patterns that you usually see? Sure, sure. Well, the first thing is that um, most people that I work with who are trying to elicit and gather and document requirements uh, don't have any tools. Um, they are still using, you know, Excel and Word, um, maybe some PowerPoint. Some teams use some graphic tools that are a little bit more sophisticated, like a Visio or a, a Miro board. But they're not, um, they're not requirements tools. They, they don't allow any of the requirements to be linked to other requirements. Uh, they don't allow any tracing. They don't do versioning. You know, I mean, everything is manual. So it's almost like if you think about in the manufacturing world, you know, we're still building cars by hand. People doing requirements are still getting in there with tools and screwing on bolts and nuts and, you know, there's no assembly line, there's no robotics, there's no help uh, for what we're doing. And They're really just lists. That, exactly. That, that is exactly yeah. what they are, Jeff. You're, or maybe a diagram, you know, maybe we do some process models, right, in some diagrams, mm -hmm. but they're static diagrams. And, you know, every time the business changes, nobody goes back and updates those diagrams, so they get old really fast. Um, people don't know where they are. I mean, simple things like keeping track of all the files that people create. And, you know, I've, I've gone into companies and they're like, yeah, we think we did these diagrams a few years ago, but nobody knows where they are. So we start all over and do them again. You know, it's just crazy stuff um, that is, is wow. just a huge waste of time. And, and, and does it, do you think it's because they don't know that there are tools out there or... They just, they're making do with what they've got. Um, some of both of that, I think, Jeff. Um, I, I don't think everybody is really aware of the whole, that there are a class of tools called requirements management tools. Interesting. Um, and even, you know, I'm work, I work with a lot of project managers who don't have project management tools, which, again, kind of is amazing to me. Um, wow. Yeah. And, and <laughs> you know, how do you not know that there are project management tools? Now, it's, it's also, I think, um, there is a learning curve. I mean, we would be misleading people if we said that you can just pick up one of these tools and, and immediately start using it. Uh, so we, I think people are so busy, they feel like they don't have the time to learn um, a new tool. I think we lost her for a second, right? Yep, Barbara, can you hear us? Yes, I can hear you. Yep, um, we, we lost you for a quick sec, yeah. I was saying that uh, I think a lot of people feel like they don't have the time to learn a new tool. And so they know how to use Excel, and so that's what they just keep doing, you know. Wow. Yeah. 
Make, makes total sense. Um, Jeff, you wanted to add something? No, I, I was I was trying to to. I mean, I, I understand where because I talk to a lot of these people all the time, and you know, they. I think it it kind of uh, goes to the pe- to the point where they finally get to the point where everything just falls apart, and that's when they start saying there must be a tool out there or something, <laughs> you know, some piece right. of software. Um, right. it, it's very you know. It's very interesting how the whole process seems to to flow, or you know that this whole epiphany happens, flow. or something. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and the other thing, Jeff, that you know from working with uh, clients is that most companies, at least a lot of companies in the the areas where I'm at, don't have a good requirements management process. Mm-hmm. So yeah. even if you bring in a tool they don't really know how to incorporate that into what they're doing because they don't have a process in place. Um, and, and I think you guys might know better than I do, but I think this is especially a problem in the United States. Um, we do not like to follow processes. Uh, you know, yeah. I hear people, I went to a conference in the UK a few months ago, um, and all the BAs, the business analysts, were talking about following methodology or a process. And, and there's more structure, there's more, you know, compliance. And and we just don't see that as much in the United States um, as we do in some other countries. Um, so, that, you know, that doesn't help us either. Yeah, and do you think there's anything to, around um, the, what kid, what people are learning in school and, you know, are they not learning, you know, how to write requirements or is this a skill that really needs to be taught very specifically? Um, yeah. I, do you have any feelings around that? Because I, I seem to see that a lot from, from customers that they know they need requirements. They have no mm-hmm. idea how to, how to, how to elicit or, or how to write right. a, write a requirement. And um, it, it's only the people that have been, you know, you know, deep in that pro- in the that that system for a long time that really seemed to get it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, are I, you I, seeing something similar? I think yes, I do very much. Um, I think some some people learn some of the structured techniques, um, and they might learn them in school or they might learn them in a in a training class. Um, but to your point, so many of the other people that they're working with, and specifically their managers, the stakeholders, and the project, don't have any idea about those techniques or what the value is. They don't get right. a lot of reinforcement that I should do this. It's going to, you know, it's, I want to show you this diagram. Well, nobody understands what this diagram is, so nobody values what work was done. Um, and I also think that... You know, there, there's still just this misconception, and, and I don't want to be negative, but, you know, part of what happened with the Project Management Institute in the early PMBOX, and they still have it, they have one task called collect requirements. And it implied <laughs> that you just go out and you ask a couple questions and you get all the requirements, and then you can do your project plan. And, and they just totally misled, I think, a lot of project managers into thinking that this requirements thing was just one of the little tasks that you do on your projects. Yeah. And, it, it, you know, the more complex and the products that we're developing just keep getting more and more complex. And so that is, is only getting worse. 
Um, and, you know, I, I talk to tons of project managers who don't understand why their BA has to go out and have five meetings with a customer. Why, why didn't they? I thought you collected those requirements yesterday, you know? And it's just, it's yeah. not that simple. Um, so it's a fundamental misunderstanding of what a complex activity requirements analysis is, I think. Uh, and, you know, I'm very involved with the IIBA, the International Institute of Business Analysis, and this is a big thing that we constantly are trying to educate people about is the complexity, the challenges, the difficulty, and the value of having a good analyst, a requirements engineer or business analyst, who understands this stuff at a deep level. And, you know, I actually like the requirements engineering title in some ways better than business analysts because engineering is a clearly challenging, complex discipline. And requirements are the same way, very challenging, yeah. very complex. Um, you know, maybe the IIBA, you know, and, and there is an, an requirements engineering association, which the IIBA, you know, works closely with. Um, but we, we didn't use that term because in a lot of the industries um, like financial services and insurance companies, um, that engineering word doesn't resonate with them. So the business analysis kind of task list or phrase or title seem to resonate more, um, which is yeah. kind of how, you know, we went in that direction. Um, but there's, there's definitely not an engineering focus, um, and they don't look upon the work of requirements as, as needing to be that de detailed and that disciplined. Yeah, and I think one of the other things that I see, and maybe you have an opinion on this too, but, you know, project managers or, you know, management in general see sometimes that, okay, we have this idea for, for whatever product it is, and then, you know, the requirements people want to spend, you know, several months, you know, mm -hmm. figuring mm -hmm. out, okay, exactly what are we going to build? And, and they're like, well, wait a minute, you know, what do you mean, you know, you need right. this much time? And it's like, there, there's this, you know, push to make things happen fast, you know, compared to, and it's a very interesting dichotomy between, you know, making it happen fast, but then what did you just build? You know, right. if you built something, you know, did you build right. the right thing or, right. you know, yeah. Yeah. Uh, do you see something similar for that within yeah, uh, business analysts? Yeah, absolutely. Matter of fact, I remember one insurance company, I, I had a uh, training company. We were training exclusively business analysis and primarily requirements. And we, we taught all the BAs at this insurance company all these different techniques because, you know, the, the BA Bach, the, the, the body of knowledge for business analysis has like 100 techniques in it now. Wow. But the, but the BAs didn't understand that you don't have to use every technique on every project and they were building those huge requirements documents. And so, yeah, there was a lot of pushback. And, and honestly, I truly believe that part of the reason that Agile came into being was a pushback on requirements documents. I, I, right? I was just yeah. going to say that's exactly. Absolutely. Absolutely. Developers hate reading them. They hate looking at them. Um, they actually don't yep. like being told specifically what to build or how to build it. Um, and so that was, a, you know, that, and that really hurt the requirements industry for a long time because here all these people were telling companies, you don't need requirements. You know, just put a, a developer in the room with the user and they'll build whatever you want. 
Um, yeah. Now, everybody has figured out that that doesn't work. <laughs> um, and that, you know, <laughs> now we have this topic of quote unquote agile requirements, which are just requirements like they always were. Um, yeah. You know, but I, yeah, I do think that there were a whole bunch of factors that contributed um, to, to the fact that we just, you know, we just don't do this well. It's hard. It's really hard work. Uh, I do actually, though, Jeff, really like and appreciate a lot of the agile practices and a lot of the agile thinking because, mm -hmm. yeah. again, you know, like I was kind of beating up on, you know, project management, but you can't collect all the requirements up front. You don't know what everything that you're going to need to know ahead of time for, for a lot of projects. Um, right. And, and customers or users don't really always know what they want. I mean, if I'm building a mobile yeah. banking app, and I've never done that before. You know, I don't know exactly what my customers are gonna to respond to. So the idea of building a minimal viable product and figuring out what are the high priority features that we need and building those first, those are all really good things. So we've gotten a lot of benefit, I think, from a lot of the Agile ideas. Um, and we've also, I think, convinced them, and, and Agile, the Agile Alliance works closely with IIBA too, because IIBA now has some Agile analyst certificates for people. Um, oh, really? Yeah, because, mm -hmm. and, and we've got a product owner certification too, because a lot of BAs um, do work in the product owner role. So there's a lot more recognition now that, yeah, we do need to have requirements. Requirements are really important, but we don't need to do all of them up front and try to get every single thing down, you know, in those three or four months time period. I mean, is that is that kind of a, um, a where I think a lot of project managers or and even some requirements engineers may think of this more as a waterfall where you do every all the requirements right. up front and then then you go and you build it and then you go test it. And, you know, in when in reality, it, it is somewhat agile in that just because you gathered as much of these requirements up front, that's going to change, and you, there's going to be some, you know, churn within that within that uh, those set of those set Absolutely. of requirements. So Absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I I've never worked on a project in my career where the customer didn't start to see things and go, oh, you know, now that I see that, what I'd really like it to do yes. are yeah. these other three things, right? But, and I remember one of the projects I worked on early in my career, we built, you know, the, the requirements management, the requirements document were three huge binders. We had to roll them in wow. a cart down to the user and they signed off. And sure enough, once they signed, and I know they didn't review them, um, <laughs> you know, I was, I was not allowed by my management to vary from that at all. So we had to build exactly what we had. And when they started looking at it and they said, well, that's not exactly what we need. We said, well, you signed, you know, this is what you're going to get. You know, it's a crazy way of doing yeah. things, <laughs> you yeah. know. Yeah. So I understand, and again, I think that's the positive thing about Agile, is it's really encouraging BAs to think, and, and I think really we have to be creative to try to break products into reusable increments. You know, is there something yeah. we can deliver early? Um, and I find users fight that, but... The more that we keep talking about it and you know encouraging them, they're starting to to see the value in that quick delivery. Um, but you you know you still need requirements for that. 
Yeah, and I, and I think that's partially because of the you know the nature of you know software projects you know versus you know hardware and software mm-hmm. type projects where mm-hmm. you know, software is easy to iterate, um, right? You know, right. and and the complexity of what you know people are trying to build is is you know going is ramping up you know is growing exponentially, and right. but so it's always better to in most of those cases to build what you call the minimal minimal viable product and then increment on top of you know whatever you're building you know so right. adding additional requirements or whatever right right and yeah. and you know that lends itself to so much to reusing reusing requirements Exactly. Um, we could, you know, we build pieces and then we, they're like building blocks. And if, you know, we build some basic pieces and then we build some more on top, we reuse those requirements. Um, so it's, it's just, it's a way better way to work. And, and the requirements are much smaller and shorter and more lightweight. Um, so, it, you know, I think it's good in many ways. Even if you are building a product that you can't release, you know, until a, a bigger piece is done, you could still build mm-hmm. it in an agile way or in sprints. It almost makes yeah. you think about or, you know, you know, concentrate more on, you know, making them much more portable. Um, right. Because as right. if you're building, you know, a basic part of a of a of a program and then trying to increment on top of that, you need to make sure that that base piece is very flexible. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, the um, one of the principles of, of agile development is that, you know, they'll build that first version of the product and then they'll build the second version and, you know, that may be a third version. And they recognize that when we get to the third iteration or, or version, we might have to go back and redo some of the foundational stuff because we've learned some things. Yeah. Again, that's that's a reusable requirement. You know, it's the same requirement. They're just going to build it technically in a different way, maybe to scale up and be able to handle more transactions, you know, yeah. or maybe to add, you know, more security, you know, whatever the need is. Um, so it, it's a great opportunity um, for the, the requirements engineers to capture that stuff and have it be reused. Yep. Same thing with Barbara, business requirements. Um, I have a quick question. You know, I think, Sure. Yeah, go, go ahead. I'll, I'll let you finish and then I'll, yeah, I'll jump in. Go I was ahead. just going to say, um, you know, we focus a lot on business requirements. Um, you know, a core mm-hmm. business uh, requirement, for example, for an insurance company is to pay a claim, right? If you capture that in a way that is technology independent and describe this, all the things that have to happen to pay a claim, that requirement can be used over and over again. You know, it was done on a yeah. mainframe, and then it was done in a client server, and now it's being done in an app, and next it'll be done in a voice recognition system. But it's the same need um, yeah. that, you know, can be reused. Exactly. Um, so pretty much another popular term that has come across in the requirements world is about the hybrid methodology um, specifically mixing up like Agile and Waterfall uh, when talking about like product development. Um, can you expand on this pretty much and explain how you've seen this in companies um, and pretty much how they can implement this as well? Sure, sure. Um, and, and that word can be used to mean all kinds of different things. Um, I think the, the ideal use of it is recognizing that sometimes on a project there are some aspects of it that 
can be done agilely, but maybe some aspects of it that need to have a more traditional approach. You know, for example, if I'm building um, some kind of mechanism that has a hardware component and a software component, you know, the hardware might need to have traditional kind of plan-driven, we've got to diagram this out and figure out what the materials are and, and you know, kind of do the whole thing, whereas the software component could be built um, in a more agile way and maybe released in, you know, in different increments. Um, the reality that I'm seeing um, is that everybody wants to say they're using agile, and agile transformations are very difficult, so companies are adopting a few agile techniques or practices into their traditional waterfall approaches, and they're calling it hybrid, which it is. <laughs> um, so, for example, a lot of um, traditional kind of teams started doing daily stand-ups. Everything else they do is still waterfall, still traditional, but they have daily stand-ups, so they're kind of calling themselves hybrid, which is great. I mean, I think daily stand-ups are a great idea. It keeps the team informed about what's going on you know, improves collaboration, communication. So that's a good way. And I recommend that to teams a lot of times if they're trying to move towards Agile, but they don't have maybe management support to go all the way. Um, yep. So it moves them in that direction, you know. Yeah, yeah, makes makes total sense. Um, and pretty much, I mean, uh, a few minutes ago, uh, you were talking about uh, the issue that most of these companies that you come across with, they don't have a requirements, engineering process, or methodology in place. Um, and specifically talking about agile requirements, what type of process would you recommend implementing? Not sure if you have like something that you could walk us through. Um, how does a typical process looks, look like and how can these companies implement it as well? Well, I, you know, I've, I've, I don't have a methodology and, you know, you're, you hear Scrum um, is the most popular agile methodology. Um, from a requirements perspective, there's a couple things that I always recommend. You know, let's say you're using Scrum, which is great. But before you start software development, you ought to analyze the business. And you ought to have business requirements. I mentioned the example of pay a claim, right? Um, the business analysts and the, and the users need to really understand what their core process is before you ask people to write software to support it. And one of the problems with jumping into Agile is there's this assumption that we know what we need the software to do. Um, that's not always well documented in organizations. Um, different people might pay claims differently or they've got an old system that they just follow the system and they don't really know what it does. Um, so, so there's Come on, Barbara. It, it's, it's never documented. <laughs> it is never documented. Rarely. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, and so before you start Agile, I mean, Agile is a product development approach. But before you have a product, you have to understand the need. And, and that's where we really see business analysts adding a lot of value to organizations because they're saying, wait a minute, before we start building something, Let's make sure we think about what we're building and why we're going to build it. And um, the other really important thing is to do business case analysis. Like, is this really a good idea? Is this something we should build? Because a lot of companies, they get an idea and they get all excited and they jump in and do it. And they haven't really thought through, is this going to be good for our bottom line, right? Is this actually going to save us yeah. money or make us money? Are customers going to buy it? You know, um, 
or users going to use it? I, I'm amazed at how many people I talk to, they develop a software system and their users never use it because they don't like it. That kind of blows my <laughs> mind too. But it happens. Um, so, so there's a lot Importantly, of stuff. Importantly, did they learn from that or do they not? <laughs> you know, I know, I know the business analysts do, but I don't know if management always do. <laughs> um, but, you know, so, so there's a lot of upfront work that needs to happen before you just say, you know, let's, let's do Agile. Um, if you know what you're trying to build, or, or even in Agile, if you don't know what you're trying to build, that's great, and, and you want to experiment. Agile is really good with experimentation and building prototypes and trying things out and seeing how they go. Um, but again, you got to know kind of why you're doing it. What, what are we trying to achieve, and do we really understand who are the potential users or the customers? Um, and, and that's where I think all of the analysis, and again, a lot of reusability up there with requirements that if an insurance company, again, for example, one of the companies I'm working with now, we're building a huge capability model so that we have all their business processes documented. So now if you come in and say, we want to change something, and, or one of the employees has an idea, we think we should do, you know, make this different, we can pull up the process and say, okay, how's that going to impact us, right? Impact analysis is another great value of a requirements tool that most BAs don't have access to. But to be able to say, what are all the other things that are going to be impacted if we change this process? Um, so, so, you know, there's a lot of that upfront work that just isn't always done, um, we're always so excited to get into the technology and start building things, uh, you know. And again, sometimes that's a good idea, but sometimes it's a little bit of forethought is better. I don't know if that Talk about wasting time. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, no, it, and, it, it and, does. And, yeah. Yeah, and, and you were mentioning like a couple key characteristics of uh, of uh, like great requirements tools, which is one impact analysis, reusability, which ones would you say uh, are also key, especially when you're we're trying to have like an agile development as well um, for this, for, for people to evaluate? evaluate. Um, agile, one of the, another thing I really like about agile is there's a lot of um, emphasis on using models and diagrams as opposed to words to build requirements. I'm very into visual diagrams and, and models. And so I love requirements tools that allow us to do those graphical kinds of things. Um, and, you know, again, to me, if I can draw a diagram and each box on it, I can literally double click on and go see what else it's related to or write some details behind it or have another diagram behind it. That kind of leveling of diagrams and of requirements is a, a level of sophistication that you will never do in Visio or you know in a, in a graphics tool. Um, and and developers, this is you know going back to developers don't like to read requirements, but they do like diagrams and they respond to that. And those are great ways to communicate. Um, one of the things in Agile, this will be this is a challenge for you guys at Visio, um, you know. A lot of Agile teams will get up at a whiteboard and start sketching stuff out, right? And, and what we've mm -hmm. learned to do as, as analysts is we take a picture of it, right? Now we've got a requirement in a photograph, and at least we can, we can store that somewhere so we've got it. 
but wouldn't it be great if the tool could kind of read um, the, the, the whiteboard diagram? And I know there are some whiteboard, actually electronic whiteboards that can kind of scan that stuff, but build those components into a requirements tool, you know, so that I draw it and then it becomes a real diagram and it's something that I could build on. Um, so those kinds of things are really exciting to me. Um, and then other really easy things, Marcella, I'm amazed at are so helpful and most teams don't have is like a glossary with reusable terms. Um, you know, people in companies do not use consistent terminology. Um, and yeah. Yeah. It, it sounds like such a simple thing, but I can't tell you how many clients I've worked with. We just built a simple glossary and, and the people's eyes are opening going, oh, you know, now I see why we're having communication challenges. Um, and more yeah. importantly, the definitions that go along yeah, with you. Know, exactly. Like, what, what do we mean by this, right? And yeah. what a great tool for onboarding new employees, you know. Um, or one of, the, one of my clients recently uh, was acquired by a larger company. They have a glossary that they can give to the company and say, this is how we use these terms, right? Now we yeah. have a common language. So that's really powerful. Um, I like to even put my stakeholders into my requirements management tool with a little description of what they do and who they are and who they're related to. I mean, those are mm -hmm. very important parts of requirements. Um, you know, just, there's just so many things that you can put into a shared repository and not lose them. You know, I mean, you see that you see that in um, a lot of this came out of the DoD where their standard, you know, templates for, um, you know, requirements doc specifications and things like that always had a term section, you know, right. and right. You know, so yes. you, you defined a lot of the, the terms yeah. that you were going to use within the document. So it made things, you know, it seemed, you know, you know, heavy handed, you know, or, right. but it always clarified everything because you can yeah. always point back and say, no, that's what that means. It's right there yes. in the document. <laughs> and, and it was a lot of work when they first started because you did everything by hand, right? But now it's so yeah. easy. You know, if you have a glossary of terms and you can select, these are the three that are relevant to this and just display them there, how, yep. you know, how much better it can be. And, but, you know, like I say, it was funny. I did an interview recently um, with one of the leaders of the IIBA in Brazil, and he said, he didn't know anything about requirements management tools. He said, I don't understand why you think they're a good idea. You know, and, and, I, and I was like, well, wow. here's, yeah, here's an example, right? And he was like, wow, that sounds really cool that I could reuse that, you know? So um, it, it's just awareness and, and, and again, the complexity. I just think that, you know, we joke with that saying that it's not rocket science. Actually, I think mm -hmm. requirements are rocket science. I think they're as complex yeah. as you can get because you got human beings with all these different opinions and then you've got businesses with all kinds of crazy policies and all kinds of regulations they have to follow and you have to pull all that stuff together and to make some kind of sense out of it and then ask a software developer to actually build something or a hardware you know designer to build something to support all these conflicting you know requirements now you can add you know we've got to have green requirements um, for environmentally friendly products. And, you know, we've got to include diversity. And I mean, there's just, it just continues to get or more. Cyber or cybersecurity or. Cybersecurity, right, right. 
Yeah. That's an, that's another thing, Jeff. We have IIBA has a cybersecurity analyst certificate now, because wow, yeah, people that build cybersecurity don't often start out by analyzing what the need is. They just start building code. You know, it's like yeah. what is the problem? What you know, somebody's got to analyze where do most frauds occur? You know, where is the highest risk? Um, yeah, we've actually seen it applied because um, a lot of the newer um, standards that are coming out around cybersecurity actually do kind of a threat or risk analysis yeah. and tie that back to requirements. So, you know, That's what great. is the threat to your tools, right, or right. to your product, whatever it is, yeah. and then how do we right. mitigate that? And that that tends to be the, um, you know, the one piece that, you know, e you know beyond requirements, it's, you know, that little risk analysis piece that actually exactly. gets that fit. Well, risks in my in my book, risks are a type of requirement, and, and that's another yes. great thing that, that you need to trace. Um, you know, to the requirements, to the objectives, to the end, the, the product components. You know, mm -hmm. um, and then when when a risk changes, wouldn't it be great if you could look at that and do impact analysis and say, here's all the things that we already tied to this. You know. Yep. Exactly. Just. You know, analysts are really good at analyzing and having everything connected together in one repository is like a, a mine. It's like the greatest resource that we could have for doing it. Like a mind you know. map. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, you know, I'm a big advocate. Um, I got my start actually in business analysis using uh, requirements tools, uh, case tools at the time they were called. Mm -hmm. um, but they allowed us to do diagrams and to uh, actually generate software. And at the time we were using COBOL code generators, right? That would actually build oh my gosh. from the requirements. Yeah, you're taking I mean, me. You're taking me back, Barbara. <laughs> <laughs> I learned COBOL, so. Um, I mean that that was a great set of tools, um, mm -hmm. and they died. Um, yeah. You know, probably we can muse about many reasons, but uh, it's really sad because when you generate code from requirements. Wow, yeah. you know, that's, that's got true traceability. Um, but systems are a lot more complex now than they were when we were just, we had one big mainframe that everything ran on. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little bit more complicated now. <laughs> yeah, um, and also like one, one of the challenges we do come across is like having people, like first obviously not having a, a tool process in place, but also uh, if they do, it's writing requirements right. So can you quickly or briefly like touch about um, this point? What do you really come across when writing requirements and uh, what uh, recommendations could you have for, for people listening as well? I advocate for writing um, small requirements um, broken into components. So for example, there are data elements um, in almost every system that you look at. And I like to identify each data element, almost like a glossary where I define what it is, how it's used, what does it look like, you know, all the details around the information. 
and then there are process components, um, and then there are business rules or policies that, that guide things, and then there are the stakeholders or the users, and build all those components and then link them all together. And that's, again, you can see why I love the requirements repository because you can't do that in an Excel spreadsheet. You know, I mean, you just no. can't. So most analysts who don't have a tool are trying to write these, the system shell statements, which I hate, um, and they describe something where they have to mention the user and a data element and some processes and some business. They have to put all this stuff together instead of decomposing it into the, the actual building blocks of what has to be there. If you identify an, a data element like customer number, it's used everywhere. Why do you have to rewrite it every time you want to use it in a requirement? You know, if you had yeah. it in a tool, you just link to it. A claim, perfectly good example, right? A claim has certain characteristics, and it's referred to all the time in insurance companies. But every time somebody writes requirements, they kind of have to start over because they don't have a place to easily reuse it. Um, and a claim is made up of a bunch of data elements and a bunch of processes. And again, if you get those components broken down, um, then it's like putting together, and I've, I heard, um, I was involved with information engineering when we used the case tools, and James Martin was one of the big um, advocates for that. He said, you should be able to assemble a requirements package, not write one, right? You ought to like be able a, to it's like Lego. Exactly, pick the data and the processes and the rules and put them all together and say, here's what I need. And we've, that's, we've that's you know, a good. That's a good view. Yeah. It is. And, you know, I was exposed to that, Jeff, like, you know, back in 1990. And surely I thought by now we would have all figured out how to do that. But we haven't. Oh, you're, you're such a dreamer, Barbara. <laughs> <laughs> Still working on it. Yeah. 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 But that, that is where we need to, to still, you know, strive for. It, because right now I believe that we, it takes a lot more time to do analysis and requirements than it does to code or build. So we're yeah. the bottleneck. And, you know, we're the bottleneck because we have no tools. We, you know, we're, we're do, basically doing everything manually. And, you know, if organizations want to get things done more quickly, they need to take that part of the life cycle and say, hey, we need to bolster this. We need to get to give these people some resources to be able to do this. Um, which is a whole nother topic, but I think too, Jeff, you and I have talked about this, that in the past business analysts or maybe requirements people have been looked at as simply meeting recorders. Like their list, collect those requirements, just write them all down and you'll be done, right? So yeah. a person who could just listen and write things down wasn't well paid and definitely didn't need an expensive tool to support their work. Yeah. Whereas as, as we continue to elevate the role of the business analyst and companies recognize how valuable business analysts are, salaries have gone up significantly. And the higher paid we are, the more valuable we are, the more a tool can be justified in a company. Because, hey, if you're paying this analyst $100,000 a year and we can save a few hours of their time, that's worth a lot of money to us now. So yeah. that, that's the optimistic 
way I think we're going to start to see more tools be available. Um, and then, you know, we as at the IIBA, we have to keep encouraging BAs to ask for tools. Sometimes they don't even ask their managers. They just think, oh, we'll never get them. Well, you know, you got to ask if you, you know, if you want to. Um, so yeah, I tell my kids the same thing. <laughs> you don't ask you're not getting it that's right that's right yeah and you gotta have a good reason right i mean it is kind of like the kids yeah well why do you need it what are you gonna do with it you know what's the purpose yep. um and and so that's that's what we have to keep encouraging bas to to do is to ask um for that kind of help yeah, and I think they need to understand what is, you know, the answer to those questions. It's like, mm -hmm. what's it going to do for you? You know, right. how are you going to use it? And, um, right. and I think that, you know, that's probably incumbent on us, too, to, to provide those types of answers. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. these and, are the things seen that will... Clear ROI. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. We ought to be able to do a really easy business case. And, and I can tell you, I think it's a very easy business case because... The amount of time, and that's that's where I always focus, is the amount of time that you can save for the analysts or requirements engineers um, at the salaries that they're making. A tool pays for itself very quickly, and and yeah. you know I think in the past too we got kind of caught up with like oh it'll it'll allow us to build better quality requirements. Well, there's no CEO in the world that cares if we have better quality requirements, right? They want to see products got to go out the door. Um, yep. So instead of saying, you know, we're going to write better quality requirements, we got to say we can build products faster. You know, we're going to save time. We can get this done faster. Um, and, you know, the, the repeatability just increases the productivity. Um, now, what do they say, like 10 times? If you can reuse something, you can increase your productivity 10 times. Um, wow. So, it, it, you know, it really isn't that hard to cost justify it. Um, I think, Jeff, the, the other challenge is just that fear and learning curve and, you know, it's change, right? Bringing in a, a product and somebody's got to administer it, someone's got to learn it, you know, a bunch of people have to kind of buy into it. It's, it's just like anything else. It takes some time to get that change. Yeah, I've seen that, you know, no matter what type of product it is, it's, it's right. always the same. Yeah. It's, right. I'm, I'm the same way. I... I I have to, uh, I'm in the process of getting a new PC and I'm kind of dreading it because I just know I'm going to have to learn some new things. I'm going to have a new version of Windows. I'm going to have to reset up all my software. You know, things are going to be different and it always slows you down for a little while at the beginning. If you're going to do I'm that, gonna... Barbara, just go ahead and get a Mac. You'll, you'll be. Oh, I know. <laughs> I wish I could do and then you can do both. <laughs> Uh, I, I've uh, actually, I'm here in Spain, so I've actually ordered a PC from the Spanish Lenovo company, and I understand I'm going to get a Spanish keyboard, so I'm going to learn how to use that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it, fortunately, they're going to install a, an English version of Windows, so uh, hopefully I'll be able to find my way around there. But, but you know, change, change is it's just, it's hard. It, yeah. That's the fundamental, I think. Um, thing that slows us down in adopting these methods. Yep. That's why we still totally. use Excel, right, Marcelo? For sure. <laughs> All right. So, um, unfortunately, we're getting to the end of the of the interview. I think it was a great conversation. Um, I'm sure people learn learn a lot, but not sure if you guys want to add anything else, Jeff, Barbara. 
No, I appreciate uh, your time, Barbara. I think this has been, uh, it's always good getting this kind of perspective from people, you know, that, that have been around. And, you know, I say that nicely. Um, yes, I appreciate Because <laughs> <laughs> um, I've been around myself. So, um, but yeah, it, it's, um, I, I think there's a lot of eye-opening, you know, bits of information that I think people can take from this and, and say, oh, okay, now I, I, I think I have a better way of doing things. Yeah, and I, I would just encourage anyone who is listening who works with requirements at all to, to go ahead and, you know, think a little bit about how could your work be more efficient? Because um, it, it really does, I, I think, um, thinking about how you could change the way you do things and how you could spend less time chasing files and finding things that maybe somebody did five years ago. And, and those kinds of things are just a big waste of time. You don't have to be doing that. that there are options. So that, yeah, that's my totally. parting thought. All right. So we, we have two final questions. The first one is, in your opinion, what uh, makes a successful project from uh, an unsuccessful one? Does somebody use the product that was created? Um, you know, it doesn't matter how much it cost, how long it took, how did we get there? How many people are involved? The bottom line is if we build something and people use it and get value from it, then you know, we've, we've built something, I think, worthwhile. Uh, if you're obviously in a for-profit company, you would like for it to be something that increases your revenue or decreases your costs. Um, but even now, if, if it you know, helps the environment or shares information, if, if people use it, I, I think it's success. Yep, totally. Awesome. And where can people find more about you? I have a website. It's www.karkinord.com. Not an easy last name, uh, but I am happy to have got a blog there and happy to answer questions for anybody that has them. Uh, I'm also on the board of directors of IIBA and would love to encourage people to get familiar with our association and, and possibly consider joining because... We have 30,000 people talking about requirements all the time. Um, so this is what we do. Awesome. All right. I'll make sure we link it up in the description of this episode. So I uh, really appreciate the time, Barbara. Thank you. Good Thanks, to talk Barb. To you guys. Thanks.